0: You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky-Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275, in Hebron some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn in your copy of God's Word to John chapter 15, 1 through 8, or in the copy of God's Word in the Pew Bible in front of you, page 958, if you want to use the translation That I am using this morning. Today, we are continuing our series on uh, reset hope in the midst of depression, anxiety, and burnout. What is the key to a Christian life? Abiding in God. When was the last time you thought about abiding? When was the last time you've heard about abiding? When was the last time that you've heard a sermon about abiding? Well, it's essential to the Christian life. Today I want us to see what abiding in God is like, but how it is also a key to avoiding depression and anxiety if we abide in the Lord. So let's read together in John chapter 15 and read verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit. And prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. God we ask. That you would help us. Treasure. Enjoy. And learn to abide in you. May we. Hear this word. May we. Live this word. God may we leave here. Never. The same again. Because your spirit has used your word to create a desire and change in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hudson Taylor was the great China Inland missionary who started a missions to China. And if you read any biography about him, which I encourage you to do, uh, we've talked about him at Oikos on Sunday nights, so uh, what a great sacrifice and act of faith that he had to do this. He started with 21 missionaries and grew to 225 by the time that he died working in China. Uh, With all the struggles and trials, there were many things that could have caused him to stop. Uh, One, the financial burden of caring for these people. He was committed to only going by faith donations he would not ask or he would not go out he just the Lord was going to provide that was what he was going to do with but that would have caused much consternation and much uh, anxiety he also lost his wife and two of his children to disease at that time Uh, but he didn't give up there were times of rebellion of missionaries getting killed And later on in life, the Boxer Rebellion, which killed many of his missionaries. His son, Frederick, wrote, uh, this was uh, in John Piper's, uh, one of John Piper's books, he found a letter of Frederick Taylor, his son. And this is what his son observed about his dad. He said this, he was a man almost 60 years of age, bearing tremendous burdens, yet absolutely calm and uncontrolled. Untroubled, excuse me. Oh, the pile of letters, any one of which might contain news of death, of lack of funds, of riots, or serious trouble, yet all were opened, read, and answered with the same tranquility. Christ, his reason for peace, his power for calm. Dwelling in Christ, he drew upon his very being and resources. And this he did by an attitude of faith as simple as if it was continuous. Yet he was delightfully free and natural. I can find no words to describe it save the scriptural expression, in God. He was in God all the time and God in him. And that was the true abiding of John 15. Don't we want a life described like this? One that is calm in the face of pressure. One that faces even trials and tribulations with much joy. Wouldn't it be good to have the free fruits of the Spirit at all times? Galatians chapter 5 tells us those fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits are available and in every believer. And wouldn't it be good for us, instead of when anxieties or troubles come, that instead of words of wrath, we respond with words of love? Wouldn't it be good that we could live self-controlled so that we would not slip into depression when bad things happen? You see, abiding in Christ is the key. Being connected to Christ is the the hope and the goodness of being loved by God. What Hudson Taylor's life displayed is not something for super radical Christians, but should be the normal reality of every believer. And the scriptures tell us that we should abide in Christ. Mounts' Expository Dictionary defines it as this, abiding as a close and settled union. It can be described as believing in Christ, coming to Christ, receiving from Christ, trusting in Christ, remaining in fellowship with Christ, connecting to Jesus so that the life-giving sap of Jesus flows in every aspect of our lives. Think of this abiding is believing, abiding is trusting, abiding is receiving, abiding is savoring, abiding is resting. And many times we as believers rest in ourselves and not in Christ. In our brokenness, we make things more broken. Instead of relying on the power and goodness of God in us, we live our lives much detached to the power of God. In our passage today, Jesus uses an agricultural lesson to point believers to the key of abiding in Christ is staying connected to Christ Brothers and sisters, my prayer for you today, my prayer for myself today, is that we leave here understanding the joy of abiding in Christ. That we understand how to believe, how to trust, how to, how to savor, how to live in Christ. That there's something tangibly different that we would want to walk out of here with knowing that our lives are different. That we would not be disconnected but we would be growing and abiding in the Lord. So there's four truths about abiding that Jesus gives us today. Number one is this. Abiding in Christ allows us to grow. Verse 1 and 2 says, I'm the true vine, the, the Father is the gardener. So he lays out here... Who is what in this, in this teaching? Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Jesus starts this lesson maybe with the hardest aspect of this. Maybe you could argue later that the hardest truth is in there. But here's the truth that God is concerned with growing us. And the only way that he does this is by pruning us. God did not save us to be a saved version of ourselves, but God saved us to make us like his son. And when we are saved, there is an aspect of connecting to the vine that we want to look like the rest of the vine. We want to look like Jesus. And God says, I want to do two things, both internally in you Through the spirit, I'm going to change you, but externally, I'm going to change you too. He uses the word pruning. I mean, there's no way to change this. This is cutting. This is hurtful. This is hard. This is moving with very painful uh, scissors, cutting, sawing. Painfulness produces fruit. When you are pruning a bush or a flower or a tree. You are doing it not for it to die, right? You are pruning it so that it will produce more in the next season. And in the same way, the loving father disciplines his children to make them very holy. He is a loving God who wants us to have the fullest of our lives in Christ. Jesus even told the woman at the well when he says, Famously, the first of you who have no sin, cast the first stone. He didn't end there and say, Okay, this person is accepted. What did he say to her? Go and sin no more. He is concerned both with our salvation and our sanctification. God is not okay with us being nonchalant about our spiritual maturity. The vine dresser, God, prunes those who are producing fruit so they will produce more fruit or those who are not producing fruit so they will produce fruit we know that we will always be struggling with sin this side of heaven but God has given us in his spirit the ability that if we abide in him that we will produce much good fruit, fruit of faith fruit of joy, fruit of patience, that he will produce a holiness in us In James chapter 1, it helps us to see that God will use many different ways to prune us. He will use the word, he will use the spirit, he will use the church, he will even use painful things. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Okay, you're losing me there, James, but... Why should we experience joy? Because he says this, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect. What's the full effect? That you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Jesus is using our painful things. God is using our painful things to produce good things that we become mature and complete. Now I've told you before that we, my family owned a Christmas tree farm, and we, unfortunately, in the middle of summer, in the middle of July, had to prune or cut the trees. If we didn't do it, then we would basically lose the years uh, for people to come get the Christmas trees. It is necessary for the Christmas tree to be pruned the way that it, that it grows. It does not just grow naturally in a beautiful cone-like shape so that you can place your ornaments. If it was left to itself, it would grow uh, all spraggly out. And especially at the top, that was part of my job, especially when I was younger, was to top the tree, to find out what was the centermost point that would be the start of the cone and then, if, uh, and then trim everything back. And so then my father would come back behind and make the cone shape with a bigger saw. But if I didn't touch the top, if I didn't do the top, it would literally grow like this. And it would look awful. Nobody would want to put an angel on top of that. The reality is, is that for it to grow the right way, it needed to be pruned. In the same way for us, for us to grow in Christ, even through trials, we trust the Lord because he is growing us, shaping us. You need to trust him for the outcome. You need to grow in faith. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. The first question you should ask is, God, how are you growing me through this? What idol are you asking me to throw away during this time? What is it that you want me to trust you more in? Friends, rest in his care and don't slip into despair because, or anxiety because God has promised to grow you. Secondly, we see here that abiding in Christ is to believe in Christ. Abiding in Christ is believing in Christ. In verse three, it says, you can already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as, the, uh, excuse me, just as a branch is unable to produce a fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I am him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. He gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Jesus clearly indicates here that he is the vine in which we connect to for growth, for fruit. Abiding in Christ is making sure we are connected to Christ. Is It is initiated by Christ in his death, his burial, and resurrection. And in it, he moves in us to belief that as believers we respond with love, and obedience. This is the essence of Christianity, that we believe on God and what he has done. In John chapter 1, 12, earlier in the chap- book, he says, But all to be- receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, those who believe in his name. Believing in Christ is an attachment to, a coming to, Jesus receiving from G- Jesus Believers know that a God who saves is a God who sanctifies. When God saves us, He changes us and wants us to change to be more like Jesus. The question here becomes: Are you connected to Jesus? You see, we can try many different ways to 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 grow. I got this branch. Don't ask me where I got it from, Uh, but because I might get in trouble. Uh, in this time of season, of course, it's not growing at all because it's the winter. But let's say that we hope in the springtime that this branch will grow. That it will produce fruit. Is there any hope for this branch? No. Why? Because it's not connected. I mean, we can try everything that we want to try. We can... <sighs> get together and maybe hope it to hope it to grow maybe we could want it to do something maybe all of us together to come up with a plan to figure out a way for it to sustain itself but no we know there's no hope for it we could go over to Kroger and and buy some apples and maybe tape them on here and say oh look look what happened this pretty, look what happened to this branch what would happen to those apples They'd get rotten. They'd fall off. Why? Because there's nothing life-giving in this branch to give to the apples. The reality is, as we do any of those things, it's absurd. And that's what, how absurd it is for us to try to produce fruit without the living, breathing Spirit of God saved by Jesus Christ. Friends, we have to trust in Christ we need to believe on Him. Today, can you say that you're part of the vine? Can you say that you trust in Christ alone, that you have repented of your sins, that you believe your only hope is in Christ? Can you say that there has been a point in your life that you know your, ha- your life is in the hands of Jesus who bled and died for you, that you have trusted Him for salvation? Your fruitlessness is not because that you aren't good enough. It's because you're not connected to the one who makes fruit. Today, I pray that if you don't know Christ, that you would turn to Him. And even if you have considered yourself a Christian for many years, and yet you've tried to work your Christianity on your own, do not yet let your pride be the one that keeps you from full Forgiveness in Jesus. Trust in him alone. The question as we read this always comes up with this then, as we read through this, what do you do with the branches being cut off? Well, the reality is, is that if you're a Christian not growing, you're not in Christ. This is maybe the harder truth here, what Jesus says. And what Jesus is saying is not that you can lose your salvation. Jesus says elsewhere that no one can snatch them out of my father's hands. My sheep are mine forever. They hear my voice. They hear it forever. But what you do communicates what you believe. What you might say, well, I thought we were saved by faith alone. Well, yes, yes. Yes. Yes, we are saved by faith alone. But as Tim Keller says, that we are saved by faith, it's not dependent upon how sanctified you are. But if you're not being sanctified, you don't have saving faith. Because a Savior who saves you wants to sanctify you. I believe John here is giving us a category for understanding the superficial external attachment that people have to Jesus that is not saving faith. As 1 John, he writes later in 1 John, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained in us. However, they went out so it might be made clear that none of them belonged to us. Friends, the reality is is that there are some no longer produce fruit because they were never in Christ to begin with. But there's also a danger here that if you're in Christ, that you need to be careful, that you need to be concerned about being part of the vine, about trusting him, and about allowing him to grow you. Today, Jesus promises, remain in me, And I will make you bear much fruit. it's believing in Christ that allows you to produce all the joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness and self-control you could ever possibly need. So how do we stay connected to the vine? Number three, abide in the word of Christ. Verse 7, he says this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now Jesus has said earlier, my word makes you clean. He says now here, remain in my words. We understand the importance of the word of Christ, the word of God. Paul says that it is every word is God breathed. Peter says that every word that we have written is not the the words of man, but of the words of God. We understand that the Bible and everything in it is the very words of God to encourage us, to nourish us, to change us, to shape us into the image of the Son. And the Word of God tells believers to live the Word. Jesus goes even further to say that if you love me, And how you show that you love me and the depth of your love for me is displayed in how you keep my word. John chapter 15, 9 and 10. So right after we we ended today, he says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. He goes further to say that as you remain in the word of Jesus, Jesus remains in you. You see, this is what the nourishing of the word does to us. It is not that we do this in order for God to accept us. No, God has accepted us through his son. And through his word, he changes us, nourishes us, gives us gifts. When we are in the word of God, we have the mind of Christ. When we are in the Word of God, we have the joy of Christ. When we are in the Word of God, we live as Christ. Because if we're following the Word, and Jesus is is trying to please God, He's following the Word, then guess what? We're pleasing God. And the reality for us is that it, it is in God's Word that we live and are nourished to be united with Christ. God's word then says that if you stay in this way, the mind of Christ, the will of Christ, then when you pray, everything you ask will be given to you. Well, think about that. If you're thinking like Jesus and you have the same mind as Jesus, and if you're thinking the will of Jesus, of course what you pray is going to be pleasing to the Father, and he's going to grant those things to you. He's not telling you, pray, yes, God, give me a Tesla so that I can drive around and and speed around wherever I want or a million-dollar home. No, those aren't the prayers that he's telling you to answer. He's saying that if you remain in me, you're going to pray as I would pray. Or as Tim Keller says, God will either give you what you ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything He knows. You see, some of you here today need to remain in the word. Get in the word, allow it to change you. Let it be that life-giving sap that, that changes and molds you. And some of you here today have confused activity with abiding. And it's not the same thing. Some of you might be working in a ministry for your job. Some of you might be busy here at Hebrew and Baptist Church. Some of you are busy serving the community and you're running here and there, running all over. And you think because you've got the, the radio on the Christian station that you're really being encapsulated with the Word, that you're, you're being changed by God. But friends, do not confuse activity or busyness with abiding, Busyness without abiding in Christ and his word produces dryness. If you're not in the word, you're going to begin to excuse sin. You're going to fall away from your Bible reading and prayer. You're going to find it's not necessary for you to share the gospel or evangelize in your community to your neighbors. You'll lose interest in coming to hear the word preached. you eventually fall away from the church because Activity and busyness without abiding in Christ produces dryness. How are you connecting to the vine through prayer and the word? Do you find yourself dry spiritually right now? Would that be directly related to how much time you're spending with God in prayer and the word? Friends, abide in the word and let Christ in his spirit give you and change you, run through your life. So so you will see that number four, abiding results in a mature believer. Verse eight, it says this, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Here's this wonderful truth that you prove that you're a disciple of God, that you're mature in your faith, that you're growing in your faith. How? That you are bringing glory to God in all that you do. That is what we are made to do. That is what our goal is, that every aspect of our life is bringing glory to God. And so why do we want to be connected, abiding in the vine because we want the vine dresser to produce in us something that brings him glory and praise why are we concerned about the structure uh, the display or the works of, of the Spirit, the, the displays of the fruits of the Spirit in our life, that are like a beautiful vineyard displayed with beauty. Why do we want our lives to be on display in this beautiful way? Because we want it to bring glory to God. We want our spiritual fruit to, to earn a heavenly blue ribbon so that we can display this for the glory of God. We want someone to come up to say, us to say and say, you know, your, your joy looks similar to the, the world record watermelon of 168 pounds. You are in the midst of despair and discouragement and tough time, but all I see in your life is Joy and you can respond to him it's not me it's jesus any other time i would go through something like this i would be in despair but why can i show joy because christ is in me christ is changing me christ is bringing me joy Someone might come to you and say, look at your life. You, there was a world record pumpkin of 1,689 pounds and your love, your patience in this moment looks as big as this to me because I can't imagine someone being as patient as you are. And you say, because my love and my display is not of the things of this world. My patience is in him, I am His. He makes my joy complete. He satisfies my soul. I can say just like Jonathan Edwards that the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. This is, this is, this is my display for God's glory. And that when we remain in the vine of God, He is producing maturity in us that brings more glory to Him. Do you see how the interconnectivity of maturity happens so that we can bring more glory to God, that we desire change? Our attitudes, our actions, our minds that God has designed for us and in us, that He's producing fruit in us and that we can grow so that, as Colossians 1 says, so that we may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience joyfully giving thanks to the father who has enabled you to share in that saints inheritance in the light don't you see that our connectivity to the vine produces something in us that we might display to the world this good powerful God brothers and sisters will you depend on God for your life maybe those of you struggling with depression and anxiety how much more will your heart be at rest if you're abiding in Christ and may I give us just a closing illustration of maybe how this might look Maybe you're familiar with the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible, over in Luke chapter ten. You know Jesus is friends with Luke, Mary, and Martha, and his their brother Lazarus, who uh, was dead and he raised to life. And this connectivity, this relationship, starts. He comes to their house, and if you remember, Mary's running around all over the house, and and Martha's just sitting down. Uh, Sorry, Martha's running around the house and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Isn't this a picture of confusing activity with abiding? Martha's running around doing all these different things and, and worried that he's, they've got gas. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, why are you worried and upset about many things but the one thing necessary? Mary has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. Think of that picture. Notice the contrast. Martha is serving. Mary was sitting. Martha was worrying. Mary was worshiping. Martha was hurrying. Mary was hearing. Martha was busy with the work. Mary was attentive to the word. Martha was laboring and Mary was learning. Martha was bothered, but Mary was blessed. Many of the reasons that we are not bearing fruit for God is that we've been spending too much time doing things in our own strength and not enough time abiding in his. Friends, abide in the Lord. Allow him to empower you and strengthen you to bear much fruit. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for this reminder from Jesus today that we must abide. We must receive. We must savor. We must trust. God, help us to depend on your strength and not ours may this help us enable us as times of discouragement and depression comes that it would keep us from that because we are abiding in the lord but lord may it be the key that unlocks all the great fruits of the spirit today that we would trust in you, abide in you, be changed by you. God, I pray today if there's someone here not connected to the vine, that they would trust and be saved. We pray that we leave this place and are never the same again. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you have been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But He was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him.